1: brought to you by the reinvented 2012 camry it's ready for you get in touch with technology with tech stuff from howstuffworks.com hello everyone welcome to tech stuff my name is chris Paulette, and i am an editor at howstuffworks.com sitting across from me is senior writer jonathan strickland
0: i hear that train a comin'. it's coming round the bend
1: so did you engineer that quote
0: uh, no actually i did not engineer that that was uh that was something conducted by someone else I that was see. such a terrible stretch <laughs> but you know what i'm gonna save myself here by going into a little listener mail This listener mail comes from Weston, who says, Hi, my name is Weston. I know Weston, I just said that. I'm from South Carolina, and looking through your quite extensive list of podcasts, I could not find one that involved how railroad crossing signals work. So I was wondering if you could explain that, and if you could explain how railroad crossing systems tie into traffic signals in more urban districts. Thanks a lot. Keep doing your thing. Well, thanks, Weston. Uh, Yes, it is true. We had not done a podcast on railroad crossing signals. Uh, It just never honestly occurred to me. And, in fact, until I started researching this, I had no idea how complicated it really was.
1: That's true, although they have changed over the years, too. To some degree,
0: yeah. It used to be that uh, the railroad crossing signal was that the train, in very busy areas, the train would come to a stop. A flagman would go to the crossing area and and manually stop traffic for the train to pass through, and then would go jog, get back on the train, and then everything would start up again. So that's about you know that's pretty simple technology.
1: Yeah, I have to agree that that's uh, well. There's not a lot of electronic technology involved in that. At night,
0: sometimes they'd use flares.
1: Ooh, I've actually seen that.
0: I've uh, there was a rural crossing, a railroad crossing in uh, northern Georgia, which is where I grew up, which you can tell because of my deep Southern accent. Uh, But in in rural Georgia, there was a, a, a crossing at one point. I remember as a kid, we came up to it, and I think the reason for Using the flares was not because uh, there was no modern uh, crossing signal there. I think the modern crossing signal was unfortunately out of order. Oh and so they were using the flares as a backup system and uh, and that's exactly what they did. They stopped the train, a guy got out and uh, lit some flares along the side of the uh, the tracks and uh, then the train went through and we had to wait and then uh, we drove on by.
1: Well then, it actually seems like it could be a little bit more reliable than some of the technology that we were researching. Um, I have to, uh, I have to give a shout out, actually. Yes. To uh, uh, Matt Enos, yes, who has a really awesome website about uh, the electronics behind railroad crossing signal technology yes. and it's it's very very thorough apparently he really likes electronics and trains so this was sort of a natural for him
0: yeah you can find his uh, his um, website at matt org uh, I thought I'd give a shout out because I also found it really helpful he has lots of um, of, of technical technical uh, drawings for, for circuitry as well as some great animations. It really makes understanding this uh, a lot easier although again it's still a very when you get if you really dig down it's still really complicated.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well as it, as it turns out, just about every type of signal uh, you know, crossing signal uses some form of a, uh, an electronic relay. Yes. Uh, or I should say electrical relay. Um, and a lot of it has to do with, uh, basically detecting that a train is coming. Now, it's not necessarily from a distance. Uh, in a lot of cases, it's basically when it's right on top of the crossing, not literally right, uh, when it's right there at the crossing before it gets to the, uh, before it actually gets to the intersection with a roadway.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, there are some. There are lots of different types of these these mm-hmm. systems. We should say mm-hmm. because first of all, uh, it's it's easy to forget that the railroad system is not a. Unified thing overseen by a single entity.
1: No, that's correct. Uh,
0: there are several railroad systems throughout the United States alone, and you know that's just the United States. Where you know it gets way more complicated when you're looking at things like international railroad systems that go through most of Europe, for example. Um, so, because there are all these different entities that are running the railroads, I mean, there are certain standards. Like railroads are railroad uh, rails are at a, a standard width. Right. Or else your trains cannot go from one system to another. But things like uh, the signaling systems, the the electronics they use, are not necessarily standard across the board. They're all supposed to operate in a standard way, but the way you get there is not necessarily standard, Mm -hmm. if that Mm -hmm. makes sense.
1: Well, what I thought we might do is actually talk about the signals themselves, and then we could talk about uh, the way that they're triggered. Works for me. Because um, you know, at a given intersection actually that's that's another good point back to w- what you just said was um that not every signal uh or not every crossing has the same types of signals right. either even on the same uh even on the same railroad mm-hmm. so uh you know a lot of times you'll see you know the signal mast, which is that pole with the lights on either side of it yeah uh, and basically this is just um uh, a current flowing through, just like you would with a typical light bulb, um, but it's it's got a, um, a relay, a flasher relay between mm-hmm. that basically alternates the circuits. So right. one light goes on, the other one goes off, then they switch back and forth, back and forth.
0: Yeah, think That's of, pretty easy. Think of the flasher relay as kind of like a switch- uh, that opens and closes, but when it when it when it opens for one side, it's closed for the other, and vice versa. So, uh, as long as power is running through this, one side of the lights will light up, and the other side will remain dark, and it alternates, and that's what creates the flashing pattern. And they alternate it. Uh, there's w- one way that it can be alternated. Again, there are yeah, lots of different true.
1: systems. True. Uh,
0: but one way that they can alternate is through using electromagnets.
1: Our old friend the electromagnet. Right.
0: So the electromagnets will uh, have a set of coils on either side and when one set of coils gets power that pulls the switch to that side it mag- you know, creates a magnetic field which pulls the switch over that's what lights up the lights on one side and then the uh, other set of coils will get power, the first set will lose power, so now the switch will be pulled back to the other side which will light up the other side of the lights mm-hmm. and alternating this back and forth is what gives you that click, 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 click as the, uh, as the flasher Go on and off. Uh, I will have to say, though, that this behavior changes dramatically if you happen to be within uh, a certain distance of UFOs, as seen in the documentary. (laughs) But, nothing. What? Close Encounters of the Third Kind, man. Did you not watch it? I mean, those lights went crazy. This means something, this is important. Uh, okay, that was that was clearly a joke. I was referencing a Spielberg movie, *Close Encounters of the Third Kind*. I do not, in fact, believe that aliens affect our railroad crossings. They're some... too busy
1: messing with our fast food restaurants. <laughs> At some point, we should uh, do a podcast on why. Every time aliens come down, your radio dial changes. (laughs) Yeah, the the railroad. You're always near a railroad. You know what drives me crazy? Probably a fan stuff podcast.
0: I'm listening to the radio, and next thing you know, aliens come down, and it switches to Golden Oldies. I just hate that. (laughs) Um, Okay, we got
1: a little off track on our railroad Um, podcast. um, Speaking, speaking of electromagnets, so yes. the, the same the same uh, thing sort of applies to the bell. Yes, you know, the bell that goes clang 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 that tells you that's yes. going on. Except um, what's going on there is the electromagnet is pushing the clapper to the bell. The clapper is the thing. If you're not familiar with bell technology, yes, uh, and I'm not talking about Ma Bell. No. It's got the ill communication. Um, you got the clapper being pushed to the side of the bell by an electromagnet. But the thing is, the thing I thought was cool about this, at least uh, according to to Matt's page, is what happens is once the clapper reaches the bell, it's breaking the connection uh, to the electromagnet. So it pulls it back. Yeah. And it pushes it back again. So it's, it's just snapping a, back and so forth. The,
0: it's the momentum that carries it forward so that it actually makes contact with the bell. Yes. And then it gets pulled back to its original position, where again, uh, where and then it gets pushed again. Yeah. And, yeah, that's kind of cool. That's pretty neat.
1: Yeah. And, so of the, course, it's happening at a regular interval because of the, the length, I guess, of the... Uh, the piece, the physical right. uh, clapper piece. It's a, it's essentially cool. the
0: same same principle that you'll find on other alarm bells. Things like, you know, the classic fire station alarm bell works on the same principle.
1: I'm sorry, that kind of alarms me.
0: Yeah. Well, I live right next to a fire station, so I am really familiar <laughs> with the fire station bell. <laughs>
1: Okay, so the gates that drop down in front of the uh, the crossing, you know, the the red and white bars, basically, if you sure. will, that sometimes have lights on them, sometimes they don't. Um, they use a different kind of technology. They uh, they actually use a motor right um, and there's a relay called the motor control relay that basically uh, allows the the motor to operate in one direction as the gate comes down so basically it is starting to push the gate down and at a certain point of course you know there's a weight on the other end a counterbalance right right and um, at a certain point the gate would come crashing down so about midway down or so the relay switches the motor to prevent it from the, the gate from crashing down too quickly I see so on you know at the beginning It's starting it down, and then the bottom is like, oh, okay, 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 not too fast, not too fast. All right, there you go.
0: So, yeah, so in one case, it's actually pushing it downward, and in the other case, it's pushing upward, but not so hard that it makes the gate go right back up again. Right, exactly. It just slows the gate's descent.
1: Yeah, and and of course there are many ways to achieve this effect. Apparently it has to do with the manufacturer of the gear, um, at least according to uh, to Matt's really useful railroad signal technology page.
0: Yeah, and and the reason you don't want those gates coming down too quickly, I mean apart from the fact that it's going to cause way too much wear and tear on your equipment, is that you don't want to whack cars that are – In the uh, the 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 railroad area, um, when the signal is activated, you know you Mm -hmm. have to have enough time for the car to clear. Um, That's also that's really the chief reason for the bell. The mm-hmm. bell is really there to let people know, people who are on the tracks at that moment as they're crossing over, that, hey, there's a train a coming. You best get some moving. <laughs> but they, they used the bell ringing noise because they found that having an old guy in there yelling that out just wasn't nearly as effective.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's um, one of those things that people still try to circumvent. Quite frequently, Which is too. A terrible, terrible idea. It's a very, very bad idea to try to uh, drive around the gates, um, or you know, if, if you happen to be at a crossing, uh, like there is one near my house. Right. Um, people often uh, go through and sit there on the track, waiting for the light to change, and that's just a bad idea.
0: Yeah. You know, no, I. You
1: don't want to be there.
0: There are stories I could tell, but I won't. But yeah it's just a bad idea
1: so that got that that covers the uh the basics of the arms and uh, the mast yeah and and, and uh, the, the lights, lights and the that switch back and forth in the bell so uh,
0: and the, the these this system by the way you asked Weston specifically about how that works within urban areas uh, the system can be keyed into any adjacent uh uh, traffic signal. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, it's just part of that traffic signal's uh, uh, cycle. So if the traffic signal receives um, uh, signal from the the railroad crossing it supersedes anything else on that intersection, so instead of the lights cycling through as they normally would, it'll be stuck on a particular setting. So maybe the, like the parallel road would still get green, mm-hmm. but the road that would intersect would have a red until the uh, until the signal from the railroad crossing gave the all clear.
1: Yes, that's ex- that's exactly how it works at the uh, crossing near my house. It, it uh, blocks out all the traffic that would necessarily cross. And the thing is, uh, I've, I've seen cars, unfortunately, who uh, – uh, not unfortunately in the other sense we were speaking of earlier, the ones who get there at the red light uh, waiting to cross. There's, there are basically two sets of uh, – there's two roads, one on either side of the tracks right. parallel to it. Yeah. And they'll go and they'll wait on that red light, and then the gates will come down. They're going – Oh, you gotta be kidding me. You yeah. mean there's a train coming and now I have to wait through this? Yeah,
0: this was gonna be maybe a minute and a half wait and now I'm looking at upwards of three to ten minutes depending on the train. I but gotta say though, I did have that happen to me not that long ago, but it ended up being a good thing as opposed to a bad thing because it was a circus train. Oh it hey. was actually really cool. That's kinda cool. Yeah. Um Dumbo waved.
1: <laughs> Okay, well actually that's the, that this is where it stops being quite so simple to explain because yeah. those are the signals but triggering the signals that's that's is a, a little, little more, more complex tricky.
0: Let's let's talk in a really high level way because if you dig down it just gets to the point where you really need a good I was about to say grounding a good understanding of electrical engineering, yeah in order to uh to really follow, and because probably I would guess most of our audience doesn 't have that necessarily i 'm sure there are some of you who do, uh, but I think the general audience probably doesn 't it would just be. It would be torturous for us to try and walk through it.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that I have the the uh, basics down enough to get into it. I am uh, absolutely sure where... I don't have
0: the basics down so, enough. But we can talk a little bit about it from a high level.
1: Um, at Virtually any of the crossings that have electronic signals, you're going to see one of those boxes like you would see at an, at an intersection in an urban environment. Right. Uh, that has a series of relays and uh, basically a couple batteries in it. Yeah. You might say, why does it need the batteries? Well, um, the tracks around the railroad crossing have a circuit in them that uh, helps control the, uh, the railroad crossing signals.
0: Yeah, let's, uh, to kind of give it a, a basic set, all right, imagine that you have a stretch of railroad track. All okay, right? mm-hmm. and that you are approaching you' you're walking along the railroad track and you're you're gradually getting to a point where the railroad is going to intersect with a road mm-hmm. now, as you're walking along that track, you will eventually come to a point where there will be a special insulator block. That is uh, on each rail. Mm -hmm. Now, this insulator block, the whole reason for this is to allow there to be a circuit along a stretch of track. If you didn't have that insulator block there, the the electricity would just flow through the entire track and just disperse, essentially. Right. Because you would have like the the world's biggest circuit. Yeah. Um,
1: So you have to block it off. Yeah, and this is not the kind of charge like you'd see on light rail. Right, um, you know the third rail. Yeah, this is not to provide power to the train
0: at all. No, no, it's just to. It's to, a detection uh, system. Yeah, exactly. So, you've got uh, you've got these insulators. That's what blocks the electric signal from continuing through. Uh, you've got uh, and you have relays connecting the two tracks together, and you constantly have a low level of power going through this this basic circuit. Mm-hmm. All right, now. Uh, there's usually a, another insulator block somewhere near where the actual road intersects, and then you have a second set of circuits on the other side yeah on in in its most basic form and the reason for that is so that you can detect when the train passes from one one part of the track to another part, and that's important because eventually you're going to have to have these signals stop signaling, yeah. You have to have something that tells the electronics, hey, the train's gone, turn off the flashers, turn off the bell, and lift the gates.
1: Yes. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the, uh, the part of the track approaching an intersection is called the approach.
0: Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, is not always the same side. Because no. trains, because some tracks will allow trains that travel in either direction. Yes. So the approach is completely dependent upon the direction the train is coming from mm-hmm. at any particular time. So the approach side will change depending on the where the train's coming from. Um, now, when a train crosses over the insulator and hits the section of track where you've got that circuit, mm-hmm. the train's wheels are steel. Yes. The axle connecting the wheels are steel. Right. This massive amount of steel, when it makes contact with the tracks, creates a short circuit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which means that it's 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 pulling the power, so it's no longer going through the relay like it normally would; it's going through the axle instead. Mm-hmm. And that's what is that's what creates the the alert for the signaling system that hey, there's a train coming. Now there are other problems with this. Oh yes. One of the big ones is that this does not tell uh, we're we're acting like this is all like you know they're all coherent and cognitive. It's not. But th- this does not indicate how fast that train is moving.
1: No, just that there is a short circuit and therefore the signal should go off.
0: Right. So you have a couple of different things you have to take into consideration. There. One is. Are all the trains that are traveling on this track generally going to be moving at the same speed? If they are, that makes this problem way easier to solve. Because what the problem is, you need to figure out how long from the moment that this short circuit happens should the, uh, the signals What's the time delay between when the short circuit happens and when the signals, uh, activate? Right. Because if the train is too far back and the signals activate, you, you tick everybody off. Cause they're like, well, look, the, the gate came down and I've been waiting here for, for 15 seconds and, and I still don't see a train. I'm just gonna go. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna cause a problem. Um, in other cases, you may have a train that's moving so quickly that when it triggers the short circuit, it actually reaches the intersection before the the uh, the signals go off. Mm-hmm. So you have to take that into account. Now, if all the trains are moving at the same speed, you just figure the right distance from the, the, uh, the crossing, and you install everything that way, and then there's no problem. Mm-hmm relatively speaking, because the trains are always going to hit the intersection at around the same time, so you can time it out that way. Uh, If the trains are going to be moving at different speeds, then you have to figure out, okay, well, how do I indicate how fast this train is going? You can either fudge it, where you kind of take an average speed of all the trains that tend to go across that track, uh, or you can pick the trains that are the most common uh, like the ones that are are usually on that track or that travel through there during high traffic areas and use that speed or you can install sensors that actually do indicate you know how fast the train is going and then send that information to the uh, the control system to alert it when it should initiate the warning mm-hmm. So those are your various options. <laughs> but yeah, that's it, it's all about short circuiting, which is kind of cool cuz when you think about it, you know, the the connotation of the the term short circuit has uh usually a fairly negative feel to it, right? You know, you you normally don't want things to short circuit unless you're Johnny 5.
1: <laughs> nice. Yeah. I like that.
0: I I figured I had to work that in there.
1: Well, he was alive. Yes, he was. Theoretically. Um, So the thing is, you have – so that's basically how it knows it's coming. The the question is how the crossing signal uh, is notified when the train is gone. And so basically there are are two sets of – Tracks. Yeah, there are two. Since there are two approaches, because theoretically, if a train could come from either direction, you would want that anyway. But you also need the other approach to to notify it too, because um, as the train passes from one side of the crossing to the other, there is another uh, there is another circuit too short, and when both sets of circuits are therefore untriggered anymore. That means, well, the train has come and gone, and those signals can, you know, the the arms go back up, and the lights go back off, and the bell stops clanging most of the time. Yeah. But there are problems with it. it, it, it you know, those of you who live near railroad tracks and have seen trains do this annoying behavior, um, because, of course, they probably have to. There are reasons why they have to. But for the driver, it's kind of annoying to sit there and watch a train stop and then back up a little bit and you're going how long do i have to wait well that does happen from time to time there are there are, you know traffic issues to be considered and the thing is the relays aren't exactly endowed with a lot of artificial intelligence no they they're either on or they're off right and there are times when a track a train can pass through an intersection and then it has to back up for traffic reasons a little bit and that triggers the signal again and then when it leaves it's you know there there's it can it can trip the signal to a point where the next train that comes from from uh, you know I'm, I'm not sure if it comes from that direction from where the train left uh, but it may not necessarily trip the signal because right, of the right. way it's wired. So what you're saying is that that because the train
0: activated the signal the first time, then mm-hmm. reactivated it without crossing over into right. the opposite side, uh, you've got a faulty system.
1: That's um, that's how I would have said it if I were more eloquent.
0: Well, I, I, I had the opportunity to really think about it and listen to what you were saying. So that was... <laughs> That was. It's not that I'm. It's not that I'm pithy or anything. I just had more time. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is a problem. There are some ways around that. One is to create a, a, a kind of a, a fail-safe system where you mm-hmm. add a third set of uh, a third circuit to yes. your two-circuit system.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because remember, we've got we've got the side that the train's coming from and the side that the train is going to, uh, and usually that that ends up. Having a break right at where the uh, the cross is, mm-hmm. um, and when usually norm, in normal operation, as one side gets activated and the other side becomes unactivated, uh, you that that's when it says okay, well the train has passed from this one side. We can now raise the gates and turn off the lights and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if you add a third section that's directly over where the road crosses over, uh, and then you you create that that can give you that extra set of uh, of circuits there that'll allow you to either switch something off if the train does have to stop and back up mm-hmm. or more importantly, I think there is the chance that let's say the train has passed over the um, the first, the approach. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the the end of the train has left the approach. There's no longer any contact there where it, it'll create a short circuit. Uh, but the train has not left the other side yet. Mm-hmm. It hasn't gone through, and then it starts to back up. You may have gotten to the point where the warning systems have shut off and mm-hmm. the gates have gone up. But the train is still approaching that intersection. Right. That's also dangerous because everyone thinks, oh, I can go through now because the gates went up, the lights are off, the, the bell's no longer ringing. But it's because that the, the full circuit hasn't been tripped yet. So the train starts backing up and uh, you, you are possibly in danger. Ha- adding this third circuit where you have a, a section of track in the center between the approach and the departure area mm-hmm. um, allows you to, to create a fail safe. So some crossings do have this, some don't. It all depends on when it was built and the last time that it was... uh, uh Fixed, really? Mm-hmm. You know, adjusted. It's
1: called an island.
0: Yes. The and section
1: that that is directly uh, over the road. That's true. And uh, apparently, it does have there. There are some certain reasons why you you want it to be an island that goes o- over both sides. Because if you have the uh, the insulators or anything like that built into the road itself, the thickness of the road can actually affect the way the signal is tripped. Yes. So you really have to uh, you really have to leave the rails that cross the road. I thought that was kind of interesting actually because I was I was thinking as I started reading um reading up on it, I thought, you know, when I go home I'm gonna look and see where the uh the uh insulators are that, that split the two approaches. And then as I started reading about it, you know, it, it dawned on me, yes, I mean if they have to repave the road or something like that, it's going to affect that and if the train rolls over um that and can't actually you know it it could actually be a problem yeah um but that uh that is one way of doing it, and then there there are other pieces of equipment that can be added to refine the uh the capabilities of the signaling equipment
0: yeah, for one thing there at a really you know nice new modern crossing, you might have a lot of solid state electronics mm-hmm. and you avoid all these these um, circuit relays and stuff, and yeah. you just you use solid state instead. Uh, which it works kind of on the same principle, except that there are a lot fewer parts. Mm-hmm. You know, it sends a lot of uh, electronic signals directly to the the uh, traffic control system yeah. for that particular crossing. Mm-hmm. But but I mean you know that's it's not by any means a universal thing. It's it's all regional and you know. Some areas are going to get that equipment much faster than others, and some may never get it, frankly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, now Matt Enos also said that uh, there are some signals that use transceivers built into the boxes that uh, that help identify how quickly the train is moving, um, basically by measuring the voltage uh, you know, and, and judging by the impedance of the wheels on the train moving, yeah. it can kind of tell as the voltage drops how quickly the train is going to approach the intersection and right. can drop the signals at a more appropriate time. Yeah, um, but that you definitely want to make, math. Sure, yeah, that does I involve, I don't
0: math. like math.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm true. an English major. Fair enough. Okay, um, but there are also um, some of the newer uh, intersections also use uh, motion detectors. Yes, which which can help identify these things. But uh, in essence, that's that's what it's doing. It's just basically looking for information from the rails themselves. In, in a lot of cases, um, and I think it, it's probably. Uh, trickier because in in urban environments simply because you have uh you know more intersections to worry about and you also have uh more car traffic and, and like in the case of of the intersection near my house you've got two roads parallel so you've got two traffic lights to deal with at that railroad crossing because mm-hmm. the piece of road uh, crosses two uh uh car intersections you know within I'd guess probably uh 100 feet of one another. So it's a very short section of, inter- you know, where there are two intersections right on the other side of the railroad yeah, tracks. Yeah,
0: College Avenue is that way. So, yeah, that's... Uh... College Avenue and DeCab Avenue.
1: Yeah. Yeah, those that's from, true. That's those true. are
0: from my Atlanta peeps.
1: Yeah. So it's just one of those situations where you just got a lot to, to be concerned with. And I imagine that uh, as time wears on, these... Uh, these roadways and railways will be updated with more solid-state technology that will give you a better idea of what's going on and when. Um, but you know the the, the uh, systems that they've had have been somewhat uh, somewhat elegant, I think, in their design. I mean, they're just they're simple, and I think sometimes that can be for the best.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Keeping keeping it simple, stupid, is always a good uh, philosophy to follow. Yeah, and and we should add that. The railroad signals, of course, we're just talking about the crossing ones. There yeah. are there are lots more signals that that uh, railroad companies use to um, manage traffic on the rails. And it seems like it might, you know, at, fir- at first blush you'd think, well, how how tricky could it be? But then you think, wait a minute, this is a dedicated pathway that only one vehicle can travel in a direction at in a particular area at a time so it does get really complicated when you think oh well how many trains are on the system how many systems are we talking about because the the rules from system to system change a little bit
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know like the, the rules in the northeast are slightly different than the rules in the southeast
1: right yeah and actually uh, when we were starting to talk about what podcasts we wanted to record um, I suggested this to Jonathan I said well, well, well let's talk about all the different kinds of signals and then when we got into uh the complexities of how the, uh, the the systems are triggered for railroad crossings we realized we wouldn't be able to get that in as much detail as possible but if you're interested in, in knowing more about that please let us know and you know maybe we can revisit that but I have always been interested in the switching systems and how uh you know they they operate that because um you know i'm i'm kind of interested in trains anyway but you know the signals that say okay wait you can't come this way just yet and how they shunt tracks from one, uh, you know, a uh, train from one set of tracks to another set of tracks using those electrical systems. So if, you, if you're interested in doing that, please let us know, and we'll, uh, we'll come back to trains in the yeah. future.
0: Clearly, Chris needs to go see the film Unstoppable. That's the one with Denzel Washington and the, the train. It's Just, the missile the size of a Chrysler building. Oh, stop it. It'll be awesome. <laughs> oh, that's no train. That's a space station. See how many random
1: quotes we can throw in there. Yeah, I think you just mixed up those a little.
0: Maybe. Just a tad. I'm a little loopy today. All right, guys. Well, that's. Loopier than normal. That wraps up this discussion on tech stuff. Please if you are interested in giving us topics that sort of stuff join one of our lovely social networks like on Facebook or Twitter cuz more and more people are submitting that way and it's just getting easier to collect suggestions through those uh those means so please use them Absolutely and uh, Chris and I will talk to you again really soon
1: If you're a Tech Stuff fan, be sure to check us out on Twitter. TechStuffHSW is our handle, and you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TechStuffHSW. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new TechStuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are
0: you?